0: Hello and welcome to Seen Them Given, the show about the laws of the game and the referees who enforce them. I'm Mike McCarthy. In a few moments you will hear my voice change quite dramatically. This week we recorded the show as a Twitter space. Keith Hackett joined us a little bit later. We had some technical issues getting him on at the start of the chat. The voice you'll hear first though is Simon Hall from the Still City Referees Association taking us through his thoughts on the weekend's games. It weren't good, were it? <laughs> <laughs> it was, um, yeah, yeah. That's like slightly wanting. I know Keith's got some uh, pretty strong opinions on it this right. week, so I'm um, looking forward to getting into the details of that. Wh- which one stuck out most for you? you? know what I know, everyone's going on about the hurricane
1: one. Mine's the Newcastle penalty. I think it's awful. Mm. I, I I just think it's basic and it's awful. There's a thing with me and Keith yesterday, you know it's a bad weekend when we're on the phone about four or five times to each other and texting each other. And, <laughs> and, and yes, yesterday we were like that because I'd, I'd seen the penalties and I went straight to him. And the thing is, my problem is now the PGMOL group, they're aging and I don't believe the, um, they're giving the younger referees a chance now. And I think it's going to catch them out.
0: Well, it's interesting, isn't it? Because we've we've seen four new referees on the Premier League list this, this season, and we've seen them basically a handful of times.
1: Yeah, and and well, th- this is what we were saying is is Harrington came in on Wednesday for his first ever game, and and I'm like, well, why haven't we tried these? Because because yesterday when I watched that and I looked how much off the pace some of them were, um, some of them are great. They've they've served it really. <sighs> No, there's something wrong. There's something fundamentally wrong at the top for those decisions not to be referred this weekend and a new referees not to be given a chance.
0: I mean, what confused me about the Newcastle penalty wasn't so much it not being awarded because I mean it's it, it's a really bad decision and I think it's pretty easy to see that, but it was the explanation that came afterwards <laughs> as well. I like the the, the justification for yeah. it. I can't find anything in law that would back that up so why i mean i'll hesitate to use the you know a phrase like gaslighting because it seems to have you know all sorts of terrible conversations but it kind of felt like that like, no, you haven't just seen what you've just said. No, it, on, on, do you know what? That was my thing.
1: I even joked with, I actually joked with Keith on it because I said to him, I says, well, I'm going to look in the laws of the games to see where I can find that. And he said, don't waste your time because there's nothing yeah. in there. And, and I knew there weren't, but I don't know how they've come up with that explanation. And it was like the one on... They got that explanation horrendously wrong. It should have been referred. Uh, my view on that particular one is the fact it should have been correct on the field of play anyway. We should be expecting our referees to get them right first time. The The hurricane one, the explanation that came out at half-time was the fact that it wasn't as excessive as it may have looked. And then at full time, it was like, because obviously uh, they had the red card to Robertson, suddenly, oh, it was on the border of excessive. It's like, well, no, you've got to split set. You've got to make your mind up. You know, there's none of this. Let's keep
0: revisiting it. It's, mm-hmm. it's all wrong.
1: Well, and yeah, I we talked a little
0: bit this season about the pendulum swinging from... You know, one one way and the other, and yeah, right. I point out Let's at look at night, another though. view. It's, Let's it's look too at... lenient,
1: isn't it? Let's look at another view on this one, though, because because this is something that is very concerning. Tierney on the tackle, the Hurricane tackle, is directly behind Harry Kane. Harry Kane's upper body is up, so he can't see absolutely everything, and he knows it's a yellow card based on the angle he's at and everything. Right, he's got a senior assistant on that side of the pitch with a side-on view. OK, maybe the senior assistants had a quick look for an offside, I don't know, but he should be on the mics on that one. It's in front of the dugout, so therefore the fourth official has a cracking view. Forget VAR, right? Why haven't they come in? You're a team. They should be shouting on the mics, red, red, red. Yeah, they should be shouting. Um, on. And then, obviously, we've got Chris Cab on, on the VAR, who should also be coming in and sending that. So I think, I mean... Paul Tierney's bit took a lot of flack and I'm sorry I've got to say it is the fact his team let him down he didn't he was making that many decisions yesterday about high level top game and unless you refereed it you can't appreciate how hard that game was it was so so hard and I think his team has let him down
0: well Davis got in touch with us and said, uh, who brought in the rule in an important game? Don't send off a player in the first half because it will spoil the game.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I saw a comment on that on Twitter last night um, because somebody put that, and yeah, def- definitely isn't a rule. You can be sent, You can or a law. I'll, I'll say law because the referees will jump on me if I say rule. Um, you can be sent off in, a, in the first second as you can be sent off
0: in the last second. Where does this come from then? Where, where is this kind of this this feeling even it, it, and, and you're absolutely right uh, you know the laws apply in the first minute as much as they do in the last but where is this sort of idea that referees have to not spoil a game yeah by reducing the numbers if they have no choice they have no choice
1: if i say one word i've got to say money it, the premier league is the premier league and you know and everybody wants entertainment okay let's just take that one tackle out of it yesterday in the Liverpool-Tottenham game. That was the best game this season by a country mile. It was unbelievable. That sending... So, entertainment value. So, if you're a Tottenham fan and they've had it a little bit rough and unsure of what's been going on, they've paid their £50, £60 a ticket. It's fair to say they were entertained yesterday (laughs) and they had value for money yesterday. Had that sending off happened then the entertainment factor dipped. However, the referee is not a conductor of the orchestra as such and stuff like that. They are there to apply the laws of the game and the Reds are red. Um, And I do think had Tierney been five yards left or right, he'd have given it. I mean, I have seen the things going on that he's English, he's the England captain, Robertson Scottish, and that's absolute rubbish at the end of the day. You've got to remember, Tierney went yellow for both. Yeah, Tierney T- T- went yellow for both. Right, it was then such as VAR's involvement in the second half that led to the red. My only thing is, there, yes, it's the laws of the game, and keep us scream at me for this, but you know what? Self preservation, I'd have stuck with the yellow. Mm. I think I genuinely would have stuck with the yellow because I was sold under the bus the first half by not giving that one. But no, question answered, it doesn't. It's an entertainment game and unfortunately, no, had he seen it, had he been sent to the VAR, I'll tell you now, he would have sent him off.
0: Lee, if you want to unmute yourself, you're very welcome to join the conversation. What do you want to say?
2: What confuses me is, you know, I've played football all my life over the years, not massive level, but, you know, I like to think I know football or, you know, when you watch football you know what's right and wrong. And I don't understand how the incompetences are so, seem to be so schoolboy level, if that's the best way to put it. Um, a bit like yesterday where, you know... The cane thing wasn't looked at. What, why not when it's so clear and obvious and you've got all the pundits or ex-referees, like et etc., et you know, sort of like beating the drum, saying it's so clear, but then they
0: don't see it at the time. That's what confuses me. I don't know what the thoughts are on that. Yeah, and, and I, I, I share your confusion entirely, Lee. I mean, sometimes you see when explanations are given that if the referee has said, I've seen that clearly and there's not enough video evidence to prove that the referee is wrong, then you get these kind of weird things where you know decisions that you think, think if they'd been be given the way, way wouldn't be overturned. Doesn't it doesn't seem to apply to the Harry, Harry Kane thing. It just it just seems wrong. wrong, and I, I can't. You know, normally when I'm looking at these things, I think, oh well, there must be some something I'm missing.
2: Well, that's the problem. But that? I can't see what <laughs> I'm missing. That's the problem. You, 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 it seems as clear as day, uh, and you, like I say, you've got all these ex-pros, ex-refs, etc., just almost screaming at you, going, why, why not? But then the people that matter don't see it. Frustrating,
0: frustrating. Yeah. Frustrating. yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the commentary, particularly a Match of the Day 2 yesterday, was not around this being the fault of of VAR in particular, but whoever's using it. I mean, do you share that? Or do you think, actually, if there wasn't VAR, referees would take a bit more responsibility? responsibility. Maybe. I
2: mean, I I do follow Keith. I don't know if he's in the chat yet, but I do follow Keith on Twitter. And I always like his opinion, because obviously being an old, respected sort of ref, high level. And um, I think he's saying it's the incompetences, really, and the refs aren't aren't good enough these
0: days. Yeah, and and, and the The problem problem is, is, these are the best we've got. At the moment, so you know, it's not. I, I don't know whether dipping the into the championship and seeing what else is you know available is necessarily going to yield better results in the short term. Or
2: well, the power of social media, isn't it? You read between the lines and you follow various people, etc., etc. And there's a bit of a consensus I've read recently that European refs are maybe are a better standard now or better standard than the the British refs. I don't know what the thoughts are on that.
1: When you look at the European referees, they have, in each of the leagues, and like you say, Champions League, is they have a couple of really, really good referees. But below that, obviously if you watch some of the games, they aren't of that level. Now, the thing is, is with our referees, with Witte, Antti Taylor, Michael Oliver, E um, Paul Tierney and those ones, you've got a level there that, without interference, so when they go away in Europe, you watch how good they are. You watch in the Champions League how unbelievable they are and they have a freedom and you can see it in them. But then they come to the Premier League and the ref's slightly different. And this is this is something that uh, Keith and I, when we chat, we cannot get our head around. We really cannot get our head around is why suddenly you're getting Taylor delivering the most amazing performance on a Wednesday night in the Champions League and then he comes back. Now, to me something's wrong at the, the instructions at the top because these referees need freedom to be able to be make able their to decisions.
2: Make decision.
3: Yes good morning. Morning. Morning, Keith. morning Keith. I'm delighted to be on sorry about that <laughs> a, n- a new phone uh, and a new laptop uh, doesn't help. Great to have you with us Lee thanks so much for your question
0: really appreciate it Um Keith this is normally a time when we like to hand out as much praise as we can to referees as as well as looking at some of the things that have gone wrong. I fear today we may be talking a fair bit more about things that have gone wrong. Overall, before we get into the specifics, uh, what was your overall impression of the weekend?
3: I think that it was a poor weekend for referees. Um, I don't know whether that's a lack of concentration or the fact that we were all concentrating on such small uh, games. But Mike, uh, I was uh, at a game on Saturday at Peniston Church in thick fog where the young referee, and I'm going to get his name before hopefully before the show ends, um, who refereed in the fog. He chased the ball around to make certain he could see. His colleagues on the line were peering through the fog to give the correct offside decisions. It was just a remarkable performance. So before I start to criticise those referees at the professional level that get a hell of a salary this guy in the Northeast Counties League ran his heart out, and eight minutes before the game, at the end of the game, sadly, a power failure put the lights off and the game ah. had to be abandoned. Uh, that's got to be disappointing for him and his colleagues, but I can assure you that I'm heaping the praise on him and his two colleagues because I thought it was simply superb. To maintain control of a game that's always tough in the Northeast Counties uh, was remarkable. And uh, yeah, and then of course we get to the professional game. I think it's been one of the worst weekends of the season without doubt. I- I'm just gobsmacked that I thought we were beginning to get into a position where the relationship between VAR and referee was much improved, where we were seeing errors but less of them. But this weekend was an absolute catalogue of errors, where if there's a pendulum, I think they have reacted in that, you know, we've seen lots of penalties given, most of them correct, some wrong that we've pointed out in the past. This weekend, the pendulum swung the other way. And, I'm, I'm you know, the Newcastle United game, um, you know, the goalkeeper's taking the player out. It's not even, it doesn't need VAR. The referee should see that. And you, you look at it and think, how can he have missed such an, an easy sort of uh, penalty click decision? Martin Atkinson, the, one of the most experienced referees on the on the list, aided by Craig Pawson. Uh, you know, one's an ex-international referee and one's a current international referee. And if they don't see that as a penalty kick, which they didn't, then they need to go home and just look at the laws of the game and uh, probably over Christmas study uh, those laws because they didn't apply them. Just on that, because you've
0: raised it, and um, I the explanation that came um, from Stockley Park that uh, because Cancelo was in possession of the ball and get away from the area that somehow mitigated the fact that Edison had wiped out Newcastle's Fraser in the challenge Um, what did you make of that explanation because it seemed
3: curious to put it politely at best I think that was made by some PA junior that shouldn't be employed anywhere near the PJMOL Anyone who makes a public statement from the PGMOL, hopefully that is the boss or one of his uh, uh, managers with refereeing experience, would never, ever make that comment. It's absolutely rude This it has nothing to do with the law. The referee has to judge the decision on what he's seen. Martin Atkinson's done that. He's got it wrong. VAR then should come in, throw the lifeline and say, Martin, you've got that wrong. That is a clear and obvious error. Craig Pawson didn't come in. And you just, you know, I mean, like, okay, is it because it's Newcastle and there's a lack of concentration? Because I have to tell you that Newcastle have suffered a few poor decisions in recent weeks, and this one compounds it. And, you know, I I, I contend that a referee in the local park just learning his craft would say that's a penalty kick And I've been inundated with uh, social media this weekend asking why. Something, as Simon has rightly said, and we've been saying it for several months now, if not years, there is something fundamentally wrong with the management of the PJMOL that one is not allowing experienced referees to referee or not actually managing them to ensure that they deliver performances that are worthy of professional referees. Look, I go back to the time when, you know, I was the sales director and I would train in the morning, training in the evening and referee football matches, but in between run run a business. We moved to professional refereeing on the basis that they would get all the support mechanisms that the outcomes would be better match officials. The Criteria have laid down in terms of referee recruitment, retention, training, education, physical sports science coming in are being carried out. Our ideas in UEFA through the referee convention, and I'm seeing a deterioration, continuing a deterioration of our referees in this country, you know. And, and I can't understand fundamentally, why. It fundamentally, continues- then,
0: how does it get better, Keith?
3: Because this doesn't seem like something that can
0: be changed.
3: You know, in in a weekend or two. No. it's
0: far more fundamental than that. No, I th-
3: I think this decline's been going on for a number of years. How can it change? I think when, I think when a business, if if you're whatever you're making cars, kitchen cabinets or, or whatever, uh, if sales decline or performance declines, then that company will look to do a root and branch review of its operations. It will look to to determine whether, in fact, the current management team are good enough, whether, in fact, there are shortfalls in the system. Now, from the onset, Mike, we have to understand I left it in a reasonable position, operating on a £5 million budget. Now, I know some years have passed. The budget is £22 million plus, so there isn't a lack of investment financially. This is about this is about management, it's about coaching, it's about, you know, they moved the coaches out, the good coaches, Riley got rid of them, assessors no longer operate in the way that they used to operate, where we train them, and they re- review performance. It, it's just the malaise, and it, it's not improving. And, you know, I think Simon made excellent points. As an active referee, which he is, studying and watching referees at all levels of the game, which he does, he's making the observation and we're all asking the same question. Why is professional referees making such errors? Now, I think his explanation of Paul Tierney and that Harry Kane challenge was absolutely accurate. I agree with him 100%. Harry Kane is looking down... uh, Sorry, Paul Tierney is looking down the tunnel and I do think that Harry Kane's body is, is if you like, covered some of the action. Um, As a result of that, he's got a view, but he hasn't got the view that's afforded us with a television replay. So you have to say to yourself, Chris Cavanaugh, what were you doing as VAR? And an international referee, let me put it that way, why didn't you come in? Because I don't think anybody can justify that as a knowledge of the laws of the game, that Harry Kane's challenge wasn't a red card. It fulfilled every criteria. It was excessive force because, you know, Harry Kane came in with force. There's no question about that. He's out of control because he's lying on his back to some degree, out of contact with the ground. His foot's raised. His foot makes contact with the leg. By the way, it doesn't necessarily have to make contact with the leg because his actions have fulfilled the law requirement of excessive force, serious foul play. It's a red card. And, and you look and say, don't try and justify that. Don't try and justify why a penalty kick wasn't given at Newcastle. Just get back to basic refereeing and saying, look, we understand clearly that Paul Tierney has has, has got an obstructive view. That's his excuse. And, and I'd go with that. But Chris Cavanaugh's got the same view as everybody on TV. And how we can say that's not a clear and obvious error by Paul Tierney is beyond me. So... I think there's a relationship problem, a management structural problem within the organization. Because let me tell you, I thought we were getting over the problems of VAR. You know, in America, Howard who runs the organization over there with Greg Barker. They don't suffer these types of uh, incidents. Uh, just and them. they
0: also explain all the decisions on YouTube every week.
3: Yeah, because I think that they understand that they always need to keep the eye on the ball. But see, I think what we might might have got, and I've seen it in the past, and had to deal with it as the boss of the PJML, and that is, you know, I'm I'm not the referee today. I'm VAR. I'm off to Stockley Park. Um, you know, um, I'm I, I've got no feeling of the atmosphere of the ground. I, I'm I'm in a I'm in a building block. I'm on my own. Right. So. I'd go through a different regime. I'd try different things. I'd, I'd, have the, I'd have the VARs out running around the buildings, preparing for the game, just like the referee. But I'd even consider, Mike, bringing the VAR operation into the grounds, i.e. the, the, the van outside the ground, so that prior to the game, the VAR and the AVR are actually with the match referee. They walk on the pitch. They hear that they get the bus. And then one goes onto the green bit and the others go into a, the, the back of a van, kitted out with, with VAR equipment. And then at the end of the game, they review the decisions and they, they do their own level of accountability. Mm. The, the interesting thing about that and, and the
0: explanation that there was at the time when, you know, everything went through Stockley Park and that was the decision was that they didn't want the referees to be influenced by home crowds. <laughs> so the idea was that yeah, I, you, you, and you know, I, I know you're laughing, but let me just get to the end of this. Uh, they didn't want, let's say, you know, soft penalties at Old Trafford or at Anfield or you know wherever it was. Um, and this is, and I guess a part of that as well was they didn't want the referees going to the monitors for the for the same reason. And they they got over that to a certain extent now because we do see more use of the monitor, which in the first season the VAR in the Premier League was pretty much zero. Um, so we're now seeing that being back down a bit, but having spent so much money on Stockley Park and
3: invested in all sorts of, of gear there, it seems unlikely they'd move. Well, we're talking about the front end of a massive business here. And 22 million is a small amount of money when you can compare the overall income of Premier League clubs. So I don't think finance is, is, a, is a basic problem. And and to actually put up a defence, Mike, that says... Referees might be influenced by the crowd. It's questioning their integrity. You know, I used to run out at Anfield. The crowd didn't influence me. They shouted. They didn't like what I gave but on occasions. I'm there to carry out the laws of the game and apply them accurately. So I think to actually say, oh, the crowd's going to influence them is a nonsense. I, I, think, that, I think that they're lacking conviction and accountability of these errors. Now, as I said, I think the first opening week season, we were getting it generally right, and I think there was a, signs of an improvement. But as the season's gone on, I'm seeing a massive deterioration, and this weekend has culminated in, thankfully, less than ten games, a small number of games, and errors in most of them. And and you say to yourself, how can this happen? And when you review, as someone that's run the organisation, you feel for the referees because they're at the sharp end. Believe me, they, they don't want this to happen. They, they're, they, they want to perform at optimum level. They put in a lot of effort physically to, to achieve that. And Paul Tierney is no mug of a referee. He's a, Simon would tell you, and I think most people would agree, he's at the top end of the list. He's the guy that gets, like Oliver and Taylor, the majority of the, of the big games and, and delivers them pretty comfortably. But I, but I think they're getting let down by VAR. I think that I think that maybe they're getting a bit lazy themselves because, as Simon's pointed out, if if that guy Tierney, had moved to the left a couple of yards and the right a couple of yards, he may have—I'm sure—he would have achieved a better a better angle, a better view of the incident. He didn't, and so there's there's almost a point at which you say, you know, we we've said, haven't we, that they are using a monitor more, are they? Are we going back to they're not? Because Tierney, if he'd have looked at that decision, as Simon has rightly said, look, we're miles apart, but in terms of often on on situations. But here, we're in in agreement that if if Tierney had seen that clip by going to the monitor, he would definitely have sent Harry Kane off. And so we've got a system, we've got VAR in position, we're not using it correctly. This is this is about the human being element of the technical side of things, not operating efficiently. And that's when management comes in, uh, reviews take place, discussions take place, and the appropriate operas- operational advice is given to the VAR and the referees. But, you know, I could go on.
0: I'm, I'm sure we will. I mean, I, I should say, if you're listening and you want to contribute to this, you have a question or you want to comment on any of the decisions that you've seen this weekend, please uh, stick your hand up and we'll we'll come to you. From the Spurs-Liverpool game, Keith, I mean, there were some uh, very uh, interesting calls here. We've talked a lot about Harry Kane. Robertson's red was upgraded, essentially, from a from yellow. Yeah. Um, and you could make an excuse for Paul Tierney <laughs> with the first one, maybe not. slightly
3: unsighted. Not really an excuse you no. can make with the second, is it? Absolutely not. Um, you know, when, I, when I've reviewed it I think it might have been a bit close Some, sometimes what referees, you know, I talk about proximity to play and I want referees to be in, in close proximity to play but sometimes what that does is it, the focal point becomes either upper body or, or down below I'm, I'm not searching for an excuse here but as someone that's analysed performances of referees over many years you try to put yourself in their position and say well how did you come to a, a yellow on what was quite a violent kick um, Fortunately, they got it right in the end. But I would expect a referee of, of Tierney's uh, uh, quality or, or a professional referee t- to make that decision right first time round.
0: The penalty claim uh, that Liverpool had as well with Yotter um, in the box, Emerson Royal uh, pushing the back. Um, and again, the explanation came later from Paul Tierney that Yotter, for want of a better phrase, put the brakes on. Um, and you know, we sort of uh, initiated a contact. I mean, I'm not sure the replays suggest that. To be perfectly honest with you, but no. even even if
3: that had been the case, does that negate the foul? A push in the laws of the game, Law Twelve, is an offence, Mike. And if that if that offence takes place in a penalty area, it's a penalty kick. So one of the things when I, I've you know the explanation and the guidance that you give referees. And I learned something from Simon Hall when he explained the push many months ago in a conversation. that is, you look for a bent arm straightening. And that's what happened. And, you know, players have a responsibility. In, in, you know, let us take the scenario of um, the foot held out, um, a leg, straight leg by a defender and the player, it comes into contact with the player. That's that's a risky move, and it's not a very good move by a defender. So the game throws up challenges for players in terms of a duty of care towards an opponent, but also a duty where they don't commit offences. And so it's, it's down to the defender to judge or make a judgment and a guess, if you like, as to what the forward's going to do. Understanding that if he then platters it, it's going to be a penalty kick, but he didn't get one. And no wonder the manager of Liverpool, who I don't, believe he's right in going off in the way that he does. But I think it must be very difficult when you spent most, uh, you know, uh, looking through the, the team sheets and looking at players injured and whatever, and he, he wants to win, um, losing it a bit. But, but on well, that Particularly side, as
0: well, when moments later, uh, a, a push by Emerson Royal on the halfway line, which looks very similar, if not entirely the same,
3: is given as a foul. I mean, I, I, look, I think, you know, I think it every justification, but I, I do think, I, I, can, I get concerned about certain things. And, and on that particular point, one, I was concerned about Klopp coming onto the field of play, but I've expressed that concern about other managers as well. I think that they should not be allowed on the field of play to have a conversation with the referee. What seriously worried me was the potential influence of a manager at half-time publicly on television having a discussion with the referee, ex- expressing a view. And, and that, I think, is a problem area because if I'm the opposing manager, then the opposing manager could say that the referee might have been influenced by conversation with him. I think those things are taboo. I think that, you know, I laid down when I was the boss that 30 minutes after the, the conclusion of the game, the manager can come in and have a discussion and seek clarification on various points i think that still exists hopefully it does that doesn't mean to say that that gives a, a door opening to the referee the manager having a go at the referee on the pitch at half time and full time and certainly at half time in the tunnel i think i think those are Taboo. So,
0: yeah, and, and if you want clarification during the game, is should that not come from the fourth official who's mic'd up and will know exactly why a decision has been made?
3: Yeah, we we you know I, I watched him one of the I think Andre Mariner was uh, was fourth official on one of one of the games. I watched him shaking almost saying in body language terms, I don't know what's going off, and I, I didn't think that was uh, helpful. That was in that particular game, Tottenham Liverpool. Uh, he sort of just ducked, ducked the issue, and I I, I do think genuinely. Those things are, if dealt with sensibly, will we'll rightly give an answer. And, and it, is a, it is an avenue to, to get clarification. But I, I, look, in the middle of the heat, I want, I want match officials to do the job, not to be influenced by managers at all, um, not to be influenced by the crowd, and just get on with it. And then 30 minutes at the end of the match, you've got a window, you can have a, you can have a conversation with me. and And that's what I set up. And in a a way, we also set up the Premier League match observers, former players, former managers, where if the manager's got a real beef about you know, Paul Tierney in this case, he can have that through the process that the Premier League have put in place and the PGMOL. Let's deal with Leeds United-Arsenal, the
0: only game that took place on on Saturday. A few things here, uh, Keith. Um, We'll get to the Granite Jacket Challenge in a moment, but um, Leeds should have had a penalty as well.
3: Oh, I mean it's nailed on. I mean that's, I mean that's not even iffy, and 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 there was again another explanation. The ball was not in the air and all that sort of thing, and it doesn't have to be. Let me tell you as an example. If you if, let's say the the goalkeeper, you know, has cleared the ball upfield, and then the, so the ball's heading towards his opponent's goal, and the goalkeeper is thumped by the centre forward who was hovering around to stop the goalkeeper kicking the ball. It's a penalty, you know. It, it's a it's a red card, and off he goes. He doesn't. The ball doesn't necessarily have to be in the vicinity of a, of an offence. So it was a penalty kick. It took him out. It, I mean, oh, cracking me, you know. I mean, in, 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 you know. I mean, look, we can look at the end of the match, and somebody might say, as they have done once or twice on social media, it was four one. What does it matter? It's a penalty kick that they should have had and they didn't get. And it was a poor decision. And Andre Mariner, he's off the pace. He's a really nice guy. He's off the pace. He's got a, he's got a great experience. He missed it. And, and VAR, surprisingly, Michael Oliver, I think was on VAR duty, didn't come in. I, I, I get more concerned about Stockley Park at this moment in time. And its relationship with referees how it is operating. And I just wonder what influences have been put on VARs in terms of their involvement. Are they being told to back off? And they're backing off to the point where they're going for a cup of tea when these big decisions count. So I've criticised Andre Mariner on that one because it was a penalty kick that should have been given. I want to now praise him because I think when the Arsenal player in the technicals area sat at the bench, um, heard the racial abuse, the alleged racist abuse, and brought that to the attention of the match officials, I genuinely believe that the match officials dealt with that very professionally, very efficiently, kept it all low-key. And I think generally Leeds United as a club have dealt with that and the police have dealt with that uh, very quickly with the arrest of the alleged uh, person that's been shouting the, the alleged abuse. So for me, I think yeah, I'm criticising him in terms of that one decision, but in balance, I think his handling of that one, uh, the abuse, was terrific. Now you want to get on to Zachary.
0: Yeah, Yeah, can we uh, talk about this uh, challenge that was not a red card, Keith? <laughs> well, first
3: of all, let me tell you, if referees at the Premier League don't keep one eye on this player, you know, and don't understand what he's like, then they're not doing the job. Preparation is part of the thing. It's not prejudging. It's just having an awareness that there's a problem on the. There's a player on the field of play that can create a problem for you. So, what has he done? He's raised his right leg about a foot to two foot off the ground. He stopped, and then in a stamping action, he's come down on the area of the of the top of the foot and just around. The junction between the leg and the foot, that, that sort of junction part, which is a very, very vulnerable area. It is a red card offense all day, every day. No justification for that type of action on the field of play. And then here's another one that that, that player should have had a red card. He should have, you know, he should have been binned. He was, was, helped, a, by, yeah, he was yeah, helped by a player. There was a challenge
0: shortly after red. as well where Gellhart gets booked. Um, for a, a challenge that is not dissimilar, um, on that one was the yellow right, or, or was that worthy of, of a red too, Keith?
3: I think both were worthy of reds. Uh, I mean, look, I'm I'm not a guy who flash red cards around. I'm just reading the law, and the, and the law is quite clear. Yeah. Uh, the actions were quite clear. All I wanted really was Mariner to have a look at them again. You know, for the for the VAR to come in and say you have missed that one. Um, but you know, maybe as human beings, VARs are missing these uh, these actual decisions.
0: One other game we should talk about, though, and um, not
3: too much in, in uh, Wolves nil, Chelsea
0: nil. Um, but there was a Wolves goal ruled out for offside, uh, correctly in yes. terms of him as uh, interfering with play, uh, you know, attempting a shot, even though he didn't actually touch the ball. Um, however, it does take a long time for this decision to be uh, eventually given. Keith, I- I'm just trying to work out why that delay might have been as long as it was?
3: Yeah, I, I, but I think ultimately at the end of the day, they have to rely on the technical equipment at uh, Stockley Park. And I, I, I just wonder whether, in fact, there was some technical itch that delayed it for so long. One of, one of the things that we see on the MLS uh, is how quickly they come to these decisions with the VAR. It's almost done almost instantly. And that, that I think, is down, down to the, the training the practice, the criteria that's laid down. So for me, this did take too long. And you're suddenly thinking, what are they trying to do here? Are you trying to justify that that goal should not be ruled out? Maybe. I don't know. But ultimately, I think they came to the right decision. And I have to say that I think it's far better to come to the right decision taking time because we can always add it on than actually making a quick call that that gives uh, the incorrect outcome. We started,
0: Keith, by you talking about a referee refereeing in the fog. Um, And I just wanted to uh, end this conversation on that note as well, because I was at Barnsley West Brom, which was um, not great in terms of visibility. Playable. You wouldn't want to see it get much worse. Um, But actually, I just wondered how bad it has to get before a referee goes, no, we cannot play this game. How low does visibility need to be before uh, you become concerned that you can't actually
3: do the job properly? Well, there is a difference. Um, In the profession, of course, you've got paying supporters. Uh, So there's always, if, if there is that risk of fog, then you've got to take great care. The advice that I always received and I used to put into practice was that you would go to the back of the stand, right, of one end of the pitch. And if you could see the goal at the opposite end, you were going to play the game. The game was going to go ahead. If, in grassroots football, you stand on the centre point of the pitch and you can see both goals from the centre, then the game's going to go ahead. You know, it got very tight at Penistone Church this weekend, I can assure you, and I'm sure around the country it did. So one or two games abandoned. Um, But, uh, but, uh, you know, again... These are difficult decisions that are made by match officials. I, I absolutely applaud the referee that, that did our game on Saturday at Peniston Church. Um, he put a huge amount of physical effort in because he, he, he was cutting the space down. He wasn't leaving himself uh, open to missing things because of the fog. He even squeezed the distance between himself and the assistant. So if the assistant uh, is seeing it, then fine. The other criteria because I was asked, is that you want your assistant to be able to, to, to view a player on the far touchline so that, you know, prior to the game, the referee would go and stand on one touchline and on the opposite touchline, he would put his assistant and just say, run up and down for me. And if, if there's clarity that you can, you're going to be able to detect offside decisions and players, then, then it's better. The other side that can be difficult is the colour of players' shirts and identification and I'm I I, you know here Mike I just don't know how you guys the professional guys in the world of commentating on football actually produce what you produce because it at times it's quite remarkable to be taken to understand that player and his number and and who he is it's just it's just amazing and and that's one of the skills skills of a commentator I think we take for granted I have to say, uh,
0: I was very pleased to just be doing reports at the weekend for, for TalkSport on that Barnsley-West Brom game. It did get to the point where you could tell it was a throw-in on the far side that had been taken by Darnell Furlong, but only because he's the only player on the pitch in a West Brom shirt who could hurl the ball that far as,
3: yeah. as he does. And that was the that was the only way yeah. I was getting by. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, when I first saw that, that lad uh, throw the ball, I'm looking very closely at him. One, uh, his feet. Are they all now behind the line? That's the first thing. And, of course, then you're looking for the position of his hands on the ball just in case he's going for the one-handed throw. And sometimes the follow-through of the hands, if they don't come through uh, as a pair, but one is ahead, one hand is ahead of the other, then you know that there's been a one-handed throw. But this guy can punch the ball massive distance uh, legally, which is amazing
0: so that's our show thanks very much for listening for downloading for subscribing however you get hold of this podcast we really love you to continue listening in 2022 we are going to take a break over christmas but look forward to seeing you on the other side and wishing you a merry christmas and a happy new year and hopefully the standard of officiating will be much better in 2022 than we saw this weekend we can live in hope can't we if you've liked the show leave a rating or review wherever you get your podcast. if you've got any feedback for us hello at seenthemgiven.co.uk is where you can send us an email for now though take care and we'll see you next time